Hi, and welcome to Apothe Kelly, a podcast about herbs and natural healing. I'm Kelly Cook, creator of Moonflower, Apothecary, and Alchemy. Join me as we discuss various herbs and their many healing benefits. I'll share with you some nerdy herb facts, traditions, and some of my own tips and recipes. You'll learn creative ideas to start crafting your own herbal apothecary and how to bring this green magic into your life. Hey guys, welcome back. It's been a little bit. I think I say that every time I do a podcast because I don't do them very often. Maybe that should be my New Year's resolution to do more podcasts and hang out with you more. Um, Today, what I want to talk to you about is something that we touched on back in the fall, the medicine of the seasons, treating the body seasonally and nourishing the body through whatever season it's in. So, of course, we're in winter right now. It's actually not super cold where I'm at right now, which is a blessing. Um, I live in the south, so our winter is short and for the most part mild, although being a southerner from the day I was born, I think I'm a little bit of a wimp when it comes to cold weather. So winter is a little bit of a struggle for me and I try to find every possible way that I can to stay warm and cozy and nourish myself with herbal teas and soups. So that's a little bit of what we're going to talk about today. Um, I'm going to share with you a book. You don't have to get this book, but I think it's really cool if you're interested in digging a little deeper into herbalism. Um, This book is called Energetic Herbalism, and the author is Kat Mayer, M-A-I-E-R. And the foreword is written by Rosemary Gladstar, which is of course, the goddess of all herbal medicine, in my opinion. Um, This book sort of does a really good job of melding together some of the different ways in which I practice herbal medicine, so I thought it was a really good book to add to my library. It brings together the elements of both vitalism, Ayurveda, and Chinese medicine, as well as a little bit of traditional Western folk medicine. Um, So I think it's a good book, and I'm going to talk to you um, about some things that are mentioned in this book. And so if you are looking for references, you can purchase this book on Amazon and probably at Barnes & Noble and some other bookstores. All right, so let's jump in. The four seasons correlate to the healing cycles of the body, and in traditional folk medicine, which is what I consider myself to be a practitioner of folk medicine as well as the vitalist um, practitioner theory. Um, We cover four seasons, so spring, summer, fall, and winter. For our purposes today, I'm going to add a a transitional season that's mentioned in the book known as late summer. So that gives us five seasons that the body goes through in a full cycle of the year. Spring, summer, late summer, fall or autumn, and winter. And nourishing and supporting the body seasonally supports and strengthens our inner essence. So looking at the body in a holistic way, treating the body seasonally just makes sense. It just makes sense to me. Looking at it from these five seasons connects to uh, different 
emotions, organs, elements, and it's supported by different herbs and foods for each season. So we'll be working with our seasonal flow. We're supporting the body where it is at the moment, which is of course the root of holistic medicine. You can't get to where you want to go until you address where you are right now. That being said, if you are aware that a specific area of the body is depleted or is in need of extra nourishment for whatever reason, then providing that to the body at any season of the year will bring you support because of course our bodies are all different and we're all in different places throughout our lives. So yes, I'm going to be breaking this down into seasonal groups and we're going to start with winter because we're in winter right now. But if you find yourself to be in a place of um, needing winter nourishment, even in the summer, listen to your body, feed your body what it's asking for. But for today, we're going to stick with winter. Um, this concept is called the medicine of the seasons or seasonal herbalism. If you want more information, I encourage you not only to purchase the book Energetic Herbalism, but also uh, in the back of the book, there are some other references listed for reading. Um, so if you're interested, dig in. All right, today we are gonna talk about the five element theory, which is a theory of Chinese herbal medicine, traditional Chinese medicine or TCM, as it is sometimes referred to. We as bodies reflect the seasons. We are part of the macrocosm, our bodies being a little microcosm of the greater universal macrocosm. So the Chinese five element theory um, coordinates with those five seasons that I mentioned earlier, adding in late summer to make a fifth season. And our bodies are in constant flow or constant transition from one to the next. It's really just a constant turning of the wheel, just like the seasons do. So the elements in this five element theory are earth, metal, water, wood, and fire. So another way that you may have heard me talk about a five element theory corresponds a little more closely to um, Western folk medicine or traditional Western herbalism, and that's earth, air, fire, water, and what's known as ether or spirit. So it's a little confusing, but they are separate. And so today I'm gonna try to link those together as best as I can. The systems of our body correspond to the elements. And these elements, of course, link back to the season. So it's all just kind of this interwoven web. There's a constant flow and a constant transition from one to the next. Following this cycle of nourishment in our bodies supports, balances, and is a way that we can work with our bodies in a more holistic way. 
So let's take a look at the current season that we're in. Obviously in winter, everything on the surface of the earth sort of goes to sleep, goes dormant, goes within. So I like to think of winter as a season of pause, a big stop, just pause. Winter is a season of going within. This is sort of a time where we reflect on the year that has passed. Maybe some things have happened that we didn't like the way it turned out and you want to do something different. You start to think about changes in the coming year. I won't say the word New Year's resolution because that seems to immediately cause stress within all of us. But definitely winter is a time to go within and listen to the body, listen to yourself, listen a little bit more consciously to that inner voice. It's a season to slow down and to restore. We expend a lot of energy in the summer, lots and lots of energy just by nature of the season. Summer is a hot, fiery, busy, go, 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 go season. Then we get into late summer and autumn where it's more of a harvest season. And that requires a lot of energy as well. So when winter comes, it's a good time to rest and pause and just slow down. I remember a long time ago, um, particularly around the time of my early 20s, I was having a little trouble getting my cycle regulated and someone in massage school, I was actually in massage school at the time, and someone mentioned to me trying to reconnect with the cycle of the moon to get my menstrual cycle back in a regular rhythm. And as crazy as that sounds, it really worked. It really helped. I still to this day do it. So we remove all artificial light from our bedroom when it's time for us to sleep. And the only light is through the window, you know, whether it be a dark moon or a full moon or a partial moon, that rhythm sort of syncs up with the circadian rhythm of our body and helps reestablish that natural flow. In the winter, the earth sleeps. So if you think about it, are you a little more inclined to take a nap or curl up on the couch with a blanket and a good book or maybe you like to do journaling or meditating it's a time when things just naturally slow down and our bodies recognize that our body wants that slowing down and restorative nourishing time the plants die back during this time of year and they're dormant. Precious reserves are pulled into the roots deep within the earth and they just sort of lay still and dormant. Winter is a time that mother earth rests and we can definitely take a lesson here. Um, in our culture, we sort of do it backwards in the Western world. You know, when you think about the holiday season, it is total and utter chaos. Go as hard as you can go, as fast as you can go, as much as you can go. And it's actually the complete opposite of what seasonally our body would prefer. So we've made it through the holidays. We've made it through New Year's. So if you can give yourself just a little bit of time to lean into this winter cycle, you'll benefit from it.
So let's go back to that five element theory for a minute. The element of winter is associated with water. I think I said that wrong. The element of winter is water. Water is the element associated with winter. I'll get it out eventually. So think of winter as water in the body. All water in us, blood, sweat, lymph, tears, urine, saliva, it's all water. To be at our optimum, we must nourish this water element as an imbalance of dryness is not optimum ever for healthy function. Anytime there's an imbalance, it opens the body up to um, dysfunction and disease. Disease in the body is created from an imbalance most of the time. So the organs of winter are the kidney and bladder, which sort of makes sense if you think about the connection to the element of water. The kidneys store vital energy. In Chinese medicine, this is known as your jing. Um, it is your essence, the source from which all of your vital energy comes. The kidney governs the bladder and its flow, its ability to open or close. So kidney is the, I'm gonna say the dominant organ here, although the bladder is equally important and it connects to other systems of the body as well. There is often an emotion that is associated with a season. And again, this is in the book that I'm telling you about. If you want to read a little bit more in detail, I'm truly just scratching the surface here. You can go much, much more in depth if you are so inclined to study this. The emotion of winter is fear. So a lot of children are afraid of the dark. Winter is the dark time that's associated with fear. Sometimes fear in young children presents itself as bedwetting which is related to the kidneys and the bladder. So that's just a simple little way to quickly connect with fear of the dark, fear causing bedwetting, bedwetting being linked to the element of water in the body that's connected to kidney and bladder. So it is all connected on this great big web of life that we live in. Our adrenals are also connected to that emotion of fear and they sit right on top of the kidneys. Um, the adrenals also are the seat of your internal will, your drive, and your ambition. So you definitely do not want to deplete your adrenals. You want to nourish them and feed them. And we'll talk about that in just a little bit. The tissues of the body that are affected in the season of winter are bones and bone marrow. And at first that might seem contradictory, like what does bone and bone marrow have to do with water and the element of water? But think about the blood. We go back to the blood in our body as the fluid that nourishes all parts of us. Marrow is built by our essence, and this nourishes our bones. Blood 
is created in the marrow. Our blood cells are made in marrow, which travels throughout the body, nourishing every cell. So again, you can start to see how every little spoke of the wheel, every little thread of the web is connected in one way or another. Oddly enough, teeth are another system of the kidneys because the teeth, which are made of basically bone, are an outward show of that system. So we wanna also nourish our dental health, take care of our teeth. I always think of this when I think about um, winter because of the holidays and um, my tendency to crave sweets all the time. So I have to be mindful of that during the winter particularly and make sure that I'm not having too many sugary drinks or lattes or teas because I do love all of those things. Winter is also associated with dryness. I see this a lot in my studio, both when I'm doing people's nails or taking care of their feet and also when I'm doing their massage. Our bodies are dry. Winter is a time of dryness. Now, if you're someone that suffers with dryness throughout the year, you might want to incorporate some of these herbs that we're going to talk about and some of these ways of nourishing the body and providing moisture uh, throughout the year. But particularly in winter, um, it's very drying to the body. Skin, hair, nails, eyes, even when you have creaky joints, Chinese medicine says that creaky joints is a sign of dryness. I think of this a lot as I'm squatting down to sit on my stool to do a pedicure and my knees crackle and pop so loudly that my clients can hear it. And I would be the first person to say that I live in a constant state of dehydration. I don't drink enough. I don't focus on that enough. I'm busy, 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 busy. So this is a lesson to me to slow down, nourish through broths and teas and warm liquids and that sort of thing. Interestingly, as I was reading this book, sleepless, sleeplessness or lack of sleep can be symptomatic of dryness as well. I can't tell you how many times a woman comes to me for herbal counseling that's in the beginning, middle, or even the end stage of menopause, and they are so exhausted because they can't sleep. So during the day hours, our body is receiving energy from the sun, and that element is being nourished in our body. The moon connects to the element of water, which of course ties into our sleeping hours. So if you are not nourishing that kidney element, that water element in the body enough during the daytime hours, that dryness, that depletion, that dehydration is gonna present itself in a restlessness the kidneys are not nourished, so they become restless. And that can 
cause you to wake up in the middle of the night and feel frustrated and anxious and then it becomes this whole cycle of not being able to sleep. So think about that. If you find yourself struggling on a regular basis to sleep through the night, are you getting enough water? Are you getting enough hydration? It doesn't just have to be water. Every time I say that, people roll their eyes because most people don't like to drink plain water. So think about teas and broths and soups and that sort of thing as well as part of your daily hydration. Salt is a flavor uh, associated with the kidney. The, the taste of salt is associated with the kidneys. And believe it or not, salt is nourishing to the kidneys. I know, I know, I know, I know. You just heard me say salt is nourishing to the kidneys. I'm gonna read you just a little tiny excerpt from this book. It's on page 104. Um, let me find it real quick. And I'm just going to read this to you because it so resonates with me and some of my family members and what I watch them go through. I'm giving you this information for your own knowledge, your own research. I'm not telling you to ignore what the doctor has advised you. I'm just giving you a different perspective. Craving this essential nutrient can be a sign of kidney deficiency, and yet this maligned nutrient has been misunderstood for decades. Current research shows that low levels of salt in the body can have damaging effects on coronary health. It can be especially dangerous for diabetics who are often advised to follow a low salt diet. Misinformation about salt in the diet is being perpetuated on a daily basis in clinics across the country, and it is important that we correct this. Studies on high salt diets from the 1970s and 80s used highly processed foods, but the forms of salt in processed food products do not deliver nutrients to the kidney in the way that sea salt does. Is it any wonder elders lose their appetite when their food may be so bland as not to offer any incentive to eat? It is this very population that needs good mineral balance and kidney support since their reserves are naturally on the decline. That to me is profound because it, it's basically the opposite of what we're taught in traditional American medicine. That stuck out to me so profoundly that about two years ago, when I start making um, a kidney formula for anyone that comes in to the studio, I add a pinch, just a small pinch of sea salt to my kidney formulas to help draw that medicine down into the kidneys in a very nourishing way. Look in the mirror. Do you have blue or black tinges under your eyes? Now yes, that might mean you stayed up too late last night. It can also sometimes mean that the skin under your eyes is thin. But let's just think of it from the general perspective here. Blue or black under the eyes 
is referred to in this book, and I love this, as an allergic shiner. It sort of cracks me up, the term shiner, but when you see someone with dark circles under their eyes, particularly in a child, it's a bit alarming. This can indicate a low vitality. <laughs> Duh, right? If you have dark circles under your eyes, you're probably exhausted and depleted and not functioning at your opt optimum level. The water element may need balance. Water in the body may be depleted. There uh, sometimes is indicative of a low immune function. So feed those systems. If you are chronically dark under your eyes, Think about how your water element might be out of balance and seek out herbs that nourish the kidneys, nourish the bladder, nourish that water element in the body to increase your vitality, to keep you from feeling so exhausted and overall to increase your body's natural immune system. Obviously winter is cold. So how do we nourish our systems through the cold? simply. Enter warming, nourishing herbs and foods. In the winter time, I immediately notice when the weather turns cold that I start focusing more on soups and stews and hearty casseroles, a more nourishing diet. I don't make a lot of cold salads for dinner. I instead prefer my greens warm and cooked in soups and stews and sautés. It's just sort of the way that our bodies transition naturally. Broth is incredible. Bone broth has become super popular over the last couple of years. Um, I use it a lot and I don't always make my own bone broth. You can do that by roasting um, bones, chicken bones, beef bones, roast them in the oven and then simmer them with other vegetables and seasonings and herbs into a nice uh, bone broth or a bone stock. Thankfully now for us busy people who work all week long and you still want to reap the benefits of a healthy nourishing bone broth, you can actually buy really good quality bone broths in the supermarket. If you're interested in how to make your own, just do a quick Google search and you will find dozens and dozens of really good recipes. The bone broth contains marrow. And again, marrow is nourishing both to the bones and connective tissue, as well as to the blood. And that increases um, your vitality. Miso is another uh, additive to broths. Miso is like a fermented, um, from brown rice or soy, it's a fermented paste. If you are um, vegetarian, obviously you're not gonna make a bone broth. So you can make a nice miso broth and that contains the protein and amino acids that you would also be getting if you used um, the bones themselves. So that is a vegetarian alternative. I actually add miso to my bone broth. That's mouthful. I add miso to my bone broth. I like the flavor that miso gives. It's a nice savory, uh, what do they say, that umami flavor. 
but it also adds a lot of um, nourishment. If you use miso added at the end, you never want to boil it because boiling it um, kills all the good stuff <laughs> that's in there, all the little um, pre and probiotics and it breaks down the enzymes. So once you've cooked your broth and boiled everything off, add your miso at the end. Another great thing to add to broths are reishi mushrooms. They are extremely nourishing to the body. They work as an adaptogenic herb and also very supportive to the immune system. Another vegetable to add to broths is sea vegetables of any kind. Seaweed, like I use nori and I buy a toasted nori sheet and I just snap it up into little pieces and throw it right into my broth. It has a slightly salty, and I'm gonna say like a slightly, I hate to say fishy because everybody's gonna say like, oh gosh, that sounds terrible. It's not fishy, it's seaweedy. If you've ever had seaweed, that's what it tastes like. Toasting it seems to take that down a notch and I like it. I don't necessarily know that it adds a lot of flavor. It adds a lot of nutrients to your broth. Also, root vegetables are very nourishing, um, whether you put them in your soups or stews or broths, or you roast them and eat them on their own. But again, think about the season of winter when the nutrients are drawn down into the roots of the plants. So when we harvest those root vegetables, they're filled with the nutrients, the best that that plant has to offer you and it nourishes you from the inside out. What I like to do, I don't have a lot of time to you know, stand over the stove and nurture a broth, so to speak. So I make mine in the crock pot. I put all the ingredients in and I let it go all day and then strain it out when I get home. And I either use that as the base for a soup or a stew, or sometimes I'll just put it in a mason jar and drink it as a warm sipping broth throughout the day. Uh, at the end of this podcast, I'm going to share with you one of my recipes. And again, you can find lots of um, nourishing winter broths if you're interested. Um, they're all over the internet, especially this time of year. People are really good to share their recipes. So... Um, you don't have to use my recipe, create your own based on what you've learned and what you love or search the internet and find some good recipes to experiment with. Another way to nourish the water of our bodies is a nice cup of warm tea. I love warm teas in the evening. Sometimes when I get that little lull of energy around three, four o'clock in the afternoon, which coincidentally is connected to kidney energy. So what we all normally want is a piece of chocolate or a little shot of caffeine or some sugar. Um, instead, if you can, take a moment to either rest, if you feel like your body needs rest, or get just a little light physical activity, maybe a short walk or some light stretching. 
instead of those stimulants. Enjoy a cup of tea with some nourishing kidney supportive herbs, which we'll talk about in just a minute. I also love golden milk, and again, there are lots of recipes. Um, there's a recipe in Kat Mayer's book for her uh, golden milk, and I make mine very simply, and I'll just give you the recipe now. It's a pinch of this and a pinch of that. The essential ingredients are probably two to three good pinches, I'm gonna say a teaspoon, of turmeric powder or fresh grated turmeric if you're lucky enough to be able to get that, a healthy pinch of black pepper, a little pinch of ginger, a little pinch of cardamom, a little pinch of cinnamon, and if you like it, a little pinch of clove. Mix all of those herbs and spices together I pour, I use coconut milk. You can pour a little milk of any type into your pot. Uh, coconut milk, almond milk, hemp milk, whatever it is that you like. If you like dairy milk, go for it. And you just simmer that on the stove until it's nice and warm and then pour it through a strainer into your cup and sip it. There's a lot of research online about the benefits of golden milk. Not only is it nourishing to your kidneys and strengthening to your water element, it's also anti-inflammatory. It's helpful with your metabolism. People have reported that it helps them sleep through the night, which again would make sense as we're talking about, you know, not being depleted in your water element. I love golden milk. Um, you can sweeten it with honey or maple syrup. I do add a little sweetener to mine. I prefer maple syrup because I just think the flavors go good together. But you sweeten it as you like. For teas in the winter time, I love ginger tea. Anything with cardamom in it, I'm all about it. I like to make a nice um, porridge of rice, cooked rice and coconut milk and a little bit of cardamom and cinnamon as a, a nice dessert in the winter time. I love cardamom. So it's a nice warming herb that I can add to other teas. Um, another herb that is wonderful is oat straw. Oat straw is super nourishing to the body. It's soothing to the nervous system and it's very nutritious. It's very easy to make. If you do make an oat straw infusion, oat straw does best as a cold infusion rather than a hot infusion. So warm up your water. Um, I'll just real quick give you this recipe for an oat straw infusion. In a quart jar, you're gonna want about three quarters of a cup to a cup of oat straw. Plop that in the bottom of your jar. Boil some water on the stove. Let it come down just a little bit from a boil when it's cool enough to be hot, but not boiling. Pour it over the herbs in your mason jar, cap it, stick it in the refrigerator, and let it sit for 24 hours. Strain it off and drink it. It's fantastic. You can heat it up if you prefer it warm, or you can drink it cold um, as you would water throughout the day or room temperature, whatever you like. Uh, the last 
One that I'll mention that is really good as a tea is elderflower tea. I love elderflower tea. It's got a very subtle flavor. Uh, we all are familiar with elderberry. Elderflower is a wonderful tonic for the nervous system. It's very supportive. And again, it's nourishing in a tea form um, to the kidneys and the bladder and that water element. Hawthorn and elderberries are other herbs that I use a lot during the winter time. Hawthorn is excellent for circulation, so it helps move that blood through the body more efficiently, nourishing every single cell of our body. And the last one that I'll mention are all of the spices that are combined in a good chai tea. Those are all warming herbs, some of which we've mentioned already. Ginger, cardamom, black pepper, clove, all of those good warming chai herbs are fantastic during the winter months to not only warm you up and increase the circulation, but also to nourish that element of water in the body. Let's say, for example, that you have elderberry tincture and you have hawthorn tincture, but you don't have them in a dried form to make a tea. So here's a little trick that I do sometimes if I don't have exactly what I need. I'll make myself a nice cup of tea, whatever, let's just say ginger tea, just because we've been talking about ginger. And then if I have a little bit of hawthorn tincture or a little bit of elderberry tincture or even uh, sweetened elderberry syrup, add a bit of that herbal tincture or syrup to your tea as opposed to making elderflower or hawthorn tea. Try that. Oats are huge. I love oats. I love oatmeal. I love oat straw. I love milky oats tincture. You hear me talk about oats a lot. I love it. I think that they are huge in the winter time because they're so nourishing to the body and they also have that sort of mucilaginous um, slipperiness to them that definitely helps with dryness in the body. So oat power balls, oatmeal, oat straw infusion, oatmeal cookies if they don't have too much sugar in them. Oats are a wonderful way to nourish the body um, during the winter months. All right, so let's talk about some herbs right now that support the kidneys. Um, adaptogenic herbs are wonderful to support the kidney function. Adaptogenic meaning it helps the body recognize and balance that which it is in excess or which it is deficient. Adaptogenic means just that. It helps your body adapt without undue stress on any particular system. So these herbs are adaptogenic herbs that support your kidneys. Again, reishi mushroom, ginseng, um, particularly American ginseng or Panax as it's known, astragalus, and eleuthero. Those are wonderfully nourishing kidney herbs.
warming herbs. So if you find yourself cold a lot, your feet are cold, your hands are cold, or if you've just been outside and you've gotten a chill, warming herbs like ginger, turmeric, cardamom, star anise, clove, and cinnamon. These are all really, really uh, warming to the body. I'll just remind you, although most everyone knows this, excuse me, nowadays, if you are having turmeric, have it with a little bit of black pepper. It just helps carry it through the body in a little bit more absorbable way. And you want to get every bit out of it that you can get out of it. All right. So let's go on. I'm going to give you a recipe um, for a broth. Let me make sure real quick that I haven't left anything out. I don't think so. I think that will stop there for right now as far as the different herbs go. And I'm going to give you a recipe um, for the broth that I make for my family. And you can do this either with store-bought bone broth or you can roast your own bones if you prefer and make this with just water and the roasted bones to create the broth. You can also completely omit the bones if you like. And at the end, when everything is cooked, you can add your miso in for a vegetarian type broth. So you're gonna start with either two quarts of bone broth or roasted bones of your choice and two quarts of water. One onion um, peeled and you can just cut it in half. You don't have to be, you don't have to be particular with any of this. It doesn't have to be pretty and perfectly chopped uh, because you're gonna strain it. You really just want the nutrients that you're gonna extract from this to make your broth. So one onion, three or four cloves of garlic peeled and you can smash them if you want three carrots and three stalks of celery just chopped up, two to three reishi mushrooms if you have them, or sometimes I buy them uh, dried and take like three or four big slices is how they come and plop those into the crock pot. One tablespoon of astragalus root, one table, or excuse me, one teaspoon of black sesame seeds, and you can toast those if you want, if you like that toasty flavor. A knob of ginger, I'm gonna say about two to three inches long, and just slice it up, you don't have to peel it. If you're fortunate enough to have a good two inch piece of turmeric, uh, plop that in there. If not, add in about a teaspoon of ground turmeric toasted cumin seeds and black mustard seeds are also a wonderful addition. Um, you can definitely toast those in a little bit of coconut oil before you add them in. I like to add one to two cayenne peppers. I just split them right down the middle and drop them in seeds and all. And then about three or four sheets of nori or kelp or whatever kind of seaweed you choose. Just snap it up into small little pieces and drop that in. Turn your crock pot on low. I season it a little bit at this point with sea salt, 
but then I'll finish seasoning it at the end um, with sea salt to taste. So just a little sea salt at this point, just maybe a couple of tablespoons full at most teaspoons, not tablespoons. Don't add a couple of tablespoons full, a couple of teaspoons full into the crock pot just to help extract all the nutrients from the vegetables and um, whatnot that you put into your broth. Let it go all day long. And when you get home from work, strain it out and that's your base broth. Of course, then you can season it as you like with salt, pepper, whatever it is that you wanna season it with. But this is just your base broth and you can e either use this, like I said, to make a soup or a stew or you can use it for a sipping broth. If you're wanting to make a nice nourishing soup, I'll just make a couple of suggestions um, for foods that are very wholesome and nourishing to the kidneys and um, very nourishing to the body during the winter months. Of course, rice, whole, whole grain rice, barley, black beans are super warming to the body sweet potatoes, any of your root vegetables like parsnips or turnips, any of those root vegetables, good winter greens like collards, mustard greens, kale, squashes such as butternut squash or acorn squash, and apples. Those are all nice, nutrient-rich and warming to the body. The last thing I'll talk to you about today uh, are some winter herbs that you can incorporate into your seasonal wellness routine. We already mentioned astragalus or astragalus as some people call it. That's a nice adaptogenic herb. Licorice is a very uh, nourishing herb to both the kidneys and the adrenals. Um, be mindful of licorice if you do have a tendency to retain fluid or have high blood pressure. You don't want to consume a large quantity of licorice because it can cause you to retain fluid. Again, reishi mushrooms, whether you make that into a tea or a broth or a tincture, if you make a reishi extract, you'll want to do a double extract because there are components that are extracted by alcohol and components that are extracted by water and you want to get both of those. So you'll look for a reishi double extract. And then the warming herbs that we mentioned before, ginger, turmeric, cinnamon, cardamom, clove, all of those good warming herbs. The last thing I'm going to talk about goes back to us addressing this issue of restlessness or sleep because what we really need in the winter is sleep and rest so be mindful of getting enough rest try to cut off your electronic devices in the evening and give yourself some downtime these are my go-to herbs in the winter because not only are they warming but they're a little bit calming and they nourish also the nervous system. They help to calm and relax and soothe the nervous system to prepare us for sleep. Those herbs are oat straw, which I've talked about already, hops, 
and tulsi or holy basil. These are nice warming herbs that help to ease the stress. You can make a tea. Uh, hops is a little bit bitter, so if you make an infusion of hops, add some chamomile or some lavender, uh, something to take the edge off of that, and just sweeten it a little bit if it's too bitter for you. But I prefer hops combined with other herbs, so the perfect tea for me would be a little pinch of hops, some Tulsi, and some lavender, and if I have it, perhaps a little bit of peppermint or lemon balm, and then I sweeten it with honey. So these are all really, really good ways to nourish yourself during the winter months. I hope that this has been useful information to you and you'll find some things in here that you can incorporate into your home winter wellness apothecary. Thanks for joining me on this episode of Apothecary. I hope you've enjoyed our topic today and have found inspiration for you on your own path of natural wellness. Until next time, may you be happy, healthy, warm, and well. And may you add a little green magic into your day.